Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. So it is uh, half past 10 on uh, Thursday night and the podcast is coming, the game day preview, where we look ahead to all of the games this weekend. But first of all, we have to say congratulations to Liverpool. Liverpool are the champions of England for the first time in 30 years. They've had eight managers since Kenny Dalglish won the title in 1990. And finally, they've stumbled across one who can actually win it for them. And they've done it with not only an amazing amount of skill in Salah and Mane and the, the glue that Firmino provides, but also they've done it with great recruitment. They reacted brilliantly to uh, Manchester City winning the title ahead of them by 25 points in 2017-18. They got to within a point of them within a year, which is a miraculous achievement in itself. But then they've overtaken them by a huge points margin this season as well. I think the first thing we have to say is they are not only worthy champions, but they are up there amongst the best champions. Crook. Yeah, I don't like to compare eras. I think there's been some fantastic teams in the Premier League. The, The first team that Jose Mourinho won the league with it. Chelsea, the Invincibles, the, the treble winners under Sir Alex Ferguson. I think every season presents different challenges, but certainly Liverpool have passed every test that's come their way this season. They hit the ground running. They had a fantastic start and they've been hard to catch. And I do think they've been spurred on by what happened last season because it took a freak of a Manchester City team to deny them their first title in what would have been 29 years. And I think they've been spurred on by the pain of that, the disappointment of missing out. They bottled it. And they came out determined to make a fast start and not to let this slip through their grasp again. As you say, they're, they're fantastic champions. They are one of the best teams the Premier League has ever seen. And, and you have to give Jurgen Klopp an awful amount of credit for what he's done there. I think you have to give Manchester City and Liverpool credit for pushing each other as well because they've achieved new heights with the points totals that they've both managed to accumulate over the last couple of years. I think it, it, they, they sort of spurred each other on in a, in a way. And, and, and Manchester City changed the way we view certain results, you can no longer go away to another top four team and get a draw and be happy about that. You you now have to go away and win. And Liverpool have taken that on this season and done exactly that, which is why they've accumulated so many points and why they've got to where they are. Uh, it's been brilliant to watch. I was fortunate enough to be in the stadium on Wednesday night when they beat Crystal Palace. I mean, they absolutely annihilated Crystal Palace. They were absolutely terrific. It was one of the best performances I've seen all season. I think maybe they were just as good against Leicester when I was at um, the King Power Stadium earlier in the season, but I thought I thought Wednesday night they were, they were terrific. So look, we were recording this podcast minutes after Liverpool have been crowned champion. So 
We are paying tribute to them. We have got the rest of the podcast on the way, and uh, we recorded that a little bit earlier on, looking ahead to all the the FA Cup games that are coming up this weekend, a couple of league games as well. But it's only right and proper that we uh, assess what has been a terrific season for Jurgen Klopp and the Reds. I guess the question now is, is this the start of, of Liverpool domination? Because I think on what we've just seen from Manchester City at Stamford Bridge, when they haven't got Aguero, for me, they're still lacking defensively. The fact he's still playing Fernandinho as, as a central defender is a big problem. Yeah, I think it's going to take an awful effort, a big effort from Manchester City to close that gap. I mean, how big is the chasm going to be come the end of the season if Liverpool keep on winning games? So you'd you would imagine have said City's that about Liverpool. Priorities are elsewhere. 17-18, you, know, you would have said there's no way that anyone's going to break... break uh, I mean, you finished 19 points behind them in 2017-18, Manchester United, and Liverpool managed to bridge that gap. So, you know, there's, there's no suggestion that, that no one can do it. Ultimately, you've got to just put your hands up and say the recruitment has been fantastic. The way they run the club since they've taken over Fenway Sports have been brilliant. They've delivered when they went to the Boston Red Sox and they've delivered at Liverpool. And, and, and both those two teams hadn't won titles for years and years and years. I think what's impressive about Jurgen Klopp is he identified pretty early on the problem positions with goalkeeper and central defender. So he went out and signed arguably the best central defender in Europe and he went out and signed arguably the best goalkeeper in the world. So when you've got the attacking riches they've got at their disposal, that's just great management and great coaching. And actually... You could argue that maybe going forward, they were a more formidable force last season yeah, I agree with that. when they didn't win the title. But what they found a way to do this year is grind out results. They've got that steely determination, that ruthlessness. And again, it comes back to the fact they were so close 12 months ago. They're absolutely terrific. A fabulous team to watch. And I think last night sort of capped it for me. The Fabinho goal was terrific. The Trent Alexander-Arnold free kick was sensational. The Mane goal was probably the pick of the bunch because it was a team goal. Um, Salah got on the score sheet, as he has to do, because otherwise it wouldn't be a proper victory, a Liverpool victory without Mohamed Salah being involved in it. So I think last night was, was perfect for them. But watching Chelsea... They've had so many rivalries with Chelsea over the course of the last 20 years and they've built up this sort of angst between the two clubs. But the, I think for the first time, they were sort of everyone was willing Chelsea to, to win. I was watching it and, and seeing that Zoom mosaic of all the Liverpool supporters when they were getting very excited every time Chelsea went forward. I don't think that's ever happened before and probably won't ever happen again. But look, ultimately, Liverpool have won it. Not Chelsea haven't given it to them. Liverpool have won it. So listen, congratulations to Liverpool. I think we'll leave it there. We've got lots to get through over the course of the next uh, 40 minutes or so. Uh, we will tease uh, Darren Lewis. I promised, I promised that. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about his fairy tale because his fairy tale has an ending now, which is good. But we will continue to tease him about it between now and the, the end of the season. Look, um, it's been uh, it's been an eventful night. I, I, I couldn't believe that uh, Chelsea got all three points this evening. Of course, that has implications for the run um, that Chelsea are on and, and, and their hopes to get into the top four. And it puts a bit of distance between them and Manchester City, but it takes them very close to Leicester as well. But we'll go through all the fixtures, look at all the FA Cup quarterfinals to come. If the geezer behind me who's four doors down from me in Manchester stops setting off his fireworks and playing, you'll never walk alone at 150 decibels. Can you believe this is actually happening? Hills beautiful, 
to Salah, racing past the Newcastle defence and finding the perfect finish. It's an absolutely wonderful Liverpool goal. I think the job Jürgen's done there has been incredible. Um, it's so exciting to watch, you know, the mentality of the group. Firmino picking up Marnie inside the penalty area, slides it into the back of the net and Liverpool have taken a vice-like grip on this game. We have to write our own history and that means we have to play the, the games our way. Salah's going to back heel it for Alexander-Arnold oh. to strike it. Oh, and how he strikes it. Wonderful goal. Going to leave a, a lasting legacy, hopefully, at the club that he was one of the best managers to have. Alexander-Arnold, Firmino, one touch to control, one touch to finish it, high into the roof of the net. That's what you, you dedicate your life for, you know, to win trophies, to be successful, and this team works so hard to do that. Firmino inside the area, pulling it back, Henderson makes it three. He's so charismatic, he's so funny, he's so charming, he's... Do you know what I mean? And he's tactically, he's absolutely brilliant. And Liverpool have the lead. Jorginho Wijnaldum with an outstanding finish. He has them going out in every game and playing with determination and passion and paying respect to all the opposition. And Liverpool are over the hills and far away. Support us from home. We are still with you. And you'll never walk alone. Jurgen Klopp promised on his arrival in 2015 that he would deliver the title and he has been true to his word. Congratulations to Liverpool. Finally, they are the champions of England again. Now hold that please, level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi, now the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus of the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Game Day Preview podcast from TalkSport as we speed through the upcoming Premier League games and FA Cup clashes with the skill, tenacity and strength of Adama Traore. Only he might have better hair. Well, uh, dashing Darren Lewis, top football journalist, is here. Hello, how are you? Hello, very well. He's definitely got better hair than I do. Uh, he's got better hair than all of us, all of us right now. Um, Alex Crook has taken the time off the beach and the golf course to roll into the Zoom call. Hello, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Do you know what? It's perfect weather for a nice sea swim. So you are lucky that I'm gracing you with my presence here. Um, now, first, we, we may need some music here, Lucy, by the way. Lucy, the producer. Um, I just want to say, like, I, I read a lot of children's books. I've got kids under the age of 10. Um, but I was lucky enough last night to be present at the last few chapters of the greatest fairy tale known 
to the Premier League. I watched in awe as the team with the fifth biggest net spend over the last 10 years and almost zero history of winning anything apart from five European Cups, 18 league titles, cruised to victory on Wednesday night against the might, the heavyweights of Crystal Palace. They have been brilliant. And the way that they responded to losing out by just a point last season has been nothing short of fabulous. So the well-crafted team, based on excellent recruitment and well-coached as well. Congratulations to them. Here's a question though, Darren. When it, this story inevitably gets turned into a Hollywood blockbuster, of course. who plays Jurgen Klopp? Oh, there's a, Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus? He's about 150. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but he's got that look about him, hasn't he? Yeah, I, think, I think that very whiskers well, I think I think Brad Pitt could do it. Yeah, uh, Brad Pitt's getting on a bit now. You put a pair of glasses on Brad Pitt and a baseball cap. I reckon he's not a bad lookalike. It's not a bad lookalike. No, but see, I, I, I'm actually thinking Richard Dreyfuss, uh, Jaws. You know, the young kind of quirky, kind of energetic, smart guy. In the well, to be fair, Roy Scheider was quite smart in that, that room as well. But I, I just think Richard Dreyfuss. There's a lot of I can see from the look on your face, Alex. You're not having it, but. No. I, I I definitely think we, unless somebody can, I can't see Brad I don't know who he is to be honest <laughs> <laughs> I'm not renowned for my film knowledge Google yeah. is your friend Alex he only, he, friend. Only, he only watches Coronation Street <laughs> <laughs> and Star Wars film You've broken my heart, Alex. That's me and you done, and we've just started. (laughs) (laughs) Right, let's get to the big game previews. Tim Krull saves it. Tottenham crash out. Norwich run into their half of the field and celebrate. They've knocked out Tottenham Hotspur and Jose Mourinho. It's not realistic for us to stay in the sneakers. It's not realistic to win the FA Cup. Yeah, but as long as we have the chance, we try. So we try in in both competitions to be as successful as possible. Every game in the Premier League is so hard. And now we've got Norwich in the FA Cup, which is... uh it's you don't say it's a it's a nice break from the from the league, but it's a great chance to get to uh, to Wembley. Icaro stabs it towards goal and scores for the second time of asking. Game set and match. Manchester United two for Odion Icaro, and they're through to the quarterfinals now for a sixth successive season. Uh, Norwich prioritising this fixture by leaving their best players on the bench in midweek, which was pretty odd seeing as they're only six points off safety. Didn't sit right with me, leaving Campwell, Buendia and Puki on the bench. Maybe they weren't 100% fit. Maybe they were concerned that they were going to pick up an injury, as has happened across the league. We saw that with Wilfred Zaha. Um, But, you know, it, it didn't feel like the right decision to make by Daniel Farker. Can they spring a surprise against Manchester United, Darren? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. If, if they spring a surprise against Manchester United, I'll do this show wearing a red nose next week. Um, I, I thought he was going to go for the naked option. I, I did think about that one, but I thought, no, 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 because knowing my luck. Um, but five defeats in their last seven, uh, one clean sheet in that time, just can't defend, no real confidence about the way they go about their business at the back. Going forward, they look good, attractive to watch. I did a show on TalkSport with Russ Williams last summer, a transfer show, and I remember distinctly saying at the time that it was naive of them to go into this campaign without bringing in quality. In fact, I I don't even know if they'd made a signing by then, and that was quite late in the window. I don't think they made any signings uh, eventually last summer. And 
I remember it distinctly because I had a pile of Norwich fans getting on to me saying, you don't know what you're talking about. We trust in Farke. The way he's gone about his business so far, they've shown that he knows what he's doing. But we've all watched enough football, particularly at the top level, to know that you just cannot compete unless you have experience. You can be a good young player, but you need someone who's going to be able to marshal a back line, organise in midfield, and score goals up front on a consistent basis and stay up. And Norwich just can't do that. However good they look, Man United will devour them this weekend and I'll be staggered if they don't. Uh, that Norwich defence go together about as well as Daniel Farker's body and Daniel Farker's voice, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> he's put on a couple of pounds during lockdown as well, hasn't he? He's, he's enjoyed himself, I think, during the break. Oh, we all have. We all really have. <laughs> there's, there's a pot calling of Kettle Black there, isn't there? <laughs> Trust me, I can't. I can't say anything about Daniel Farke because I'm well, carrying you, a little bit of. Confusion. You, you've lost. Yeah. You've lost a lot. So you know, you, you you can crow as much as you like, but it, it, Alex Crook can't. I mean, he gets into the water on South Sea Common, and Roy Schneider comes out and says, "Clear the beach." <laughs> Do you want to explain that reference to him? <laughs> I will need that explaining. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Jaws he's, reference. He's literally just returning every serve. He's doing it quite calmly as well. Nicely done, Alex. <laughs> uh, um, look, United getting more men forward, which is a danger for Norwich because it's too easily prized open, that defence. Um, but I thought, in particular, combinations look really good for me against Sheffield United from Manchester United. So going forward, there's, there's, there's going to be a lot for Norwich to handle. Um, the finest break for me was when De Gea defending gets the ball back and kicks it instinctively into um, the Rashford. Park. Rashford picks it up, runs up to halfway, lops it off to Martial. It comes back to Rashford. He should have scored. But it, that, that, that move to me basically said, this is what Manchester United want to be. For the first time, probably since Sir Alex Ferguson retired, I'm now watching Manchester United games with my feet up, with a glass of whiskey, with a cigar, I knew they were going to hammer Sheffield United. It mm. was never in any doubt. And I haven't had that feeling. It's a strange feeling. And I think, mm. listen, I've been the first to criticise Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because I think he has made mistakes along the road because he's a young manager and he's learning on the job. But you have to credit him now. He seems to be moulding that team in his image. And they are playing the United way. That move that you talked about, that, that the third goal for Anthony Martial was a thing of beauty. I think he still needs to work out how to get the best out of Pogba and Fernandes together. Pogba sat a little bit too deep for my liking in that game against Sheffield United. But I, I agree with Darren. There is no doubt in my mind, no concern in my mind that United aren't going to go and win this FA Cup tie. And actually, I've looked at the fixtures and I'm getting overconfident here, but I can't see where the next defeat is coming from at the moment. I think they're going to pick up a lot of points between now and the end of the season. And I still think they'll pip Chelsea to the top four. What's quite interesting for me, just on the back of what you, you've said, Alex, is defensively because everyone obviously is talking and, and what you just described is interesting about United going forward they've con- they haven't lost in 13 games they've only conceded three times in that time which is a, a wonderful run anyway mm. they've only conceded nine times since boxing day now that's quite I don't know whether they've been fortunate in that regard because I mean I saw Bergwijn go past Harry Maguire and a couple of others as though they weren't there and quite clear, if you've got a bit of pace, you can get at Manchester United. But certainly the run that they're on suggests that there's more organisation in that team than there has been for a long time. 
Well, the system's important, isn't it? And I spoke to Jose Mourinho about Tottenham's um, back line on Wednesday night. And I said to him, you know, you've played the same back four for the last two games. Does that make a difference in terms of getting some unity and solidity and keeping clean sheets? And he said, no, it's nothing to do with that, actually. It's not to do with that. It's about everybody understanding the system, the system that we're trying to play and being drilled in those, those tactical patterns and ideas and I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has developed a way of protecting that back four and I think making sure that Matic just sat there and did not very much apart from protecting the back four is important for for Manchester United in that previous game Um, I think Fred and McTominay have developed good roles as well over the course of the last three or four months prior to lockdown their habits have been good so the defence has been protected plus it changed the system to a three didn't he beforehand he's gone back to a four now but they've become a little bit more tactically flexible and they've become a lot more disciplined and I think that's going to be key going into the final few games of the season because you are going to have to switch people in and out of that I think we shouldn't underestimate the role that Luke Shaw has played in that as well and again I haven't always been Luke Shaw's biggest fan I don't think he looked after himself off the pitch particularly well when he first went to United Louis van Gaal alluded to as much he was brought back into the team by Solskjaer as part of a back three because I don't think Ollie had enough faith in the defence as a back four but he's grown in confidence and now the shackles are off and Solskjaer said okay you are a good enough player to play as part of a back four um, his distribution has improved. His awareness has improved, barring that goal against Tottenham when he was partly capable, uh, when he was partly culpable. So I, th- I think he he deserves a lot of praise. Maguire is rock solid. Wambasaka has improved at both ends. Actually, um, his distribution was great in midweek as well. So it'll be interesting to see what team Ole Gunnar Solskjaer picks. I think he knows about the historic importance for Manchester United when it comes to the FA Cup. They haven't won it enough. In, in recent seasons. I think he's going to have a real go at this competition. I think he'll go strong. Um, it's Manchester United travelling to Carrow Road, 5.30, Saturday, live on Talk Sport. And I wonder whether or not Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will look at uh, trying to develop inventive set pieces because there is no defence uh, that has conceded more goals from corners than Norwich City. Let's move on to Sheffield United against Arsenal. Sunday midday, live on game day, FA Cup special. Um, Chris Wilder says there's a lot of thinking to be done. How does he stop this season from fizzling out? Because they went into lockdown as everybody's favourite second team and everybody piling their defenders into their fantasy teams. But all of a sudden, that bubble has burst, hasn't it, Crook? Not everybody was uh, was lording Sheffield United. <laughs> I think I was quite clear on this podcast that they would be the the big victims of lockdown just because the reason they've been so successful this season partly is because it's a bit of the unknown. This overlapping centre-backs is something that Premier League managers and defences aren't used to to going up against. But also, like many newly promoted teams, they were running on adrenaline. They had the momentum from last season. That was always going to be checkered. And I actually fear for Sheffield United, not just for the rest of this season, but for next season as well. If you said to me, here's £100, put it on a team to get relegated next season, I would be sticking it on Sheffield United. I think they've overachieved this season. They've punched above their weight. Ultimately, it's still a squad packed with good championship players, but probably not quite Premier League quality. And I think they're going to get found out next season. Um, sorry, were you at Goodison Park on, uh, on Sunday night? It's just that you love blowing your own trumpet so much. I just wonder if that was you in the background that I heard during the game. I just didn't know. Very good. And how, how, did, how, did, how did Bournemouth get on at the restart? 
Well, let's not get me started on them again. Okay, did you, did, I thought what you said there was Eddie Howe, training ground, well coached. No? That was, heart, ru- that was okay. heart ruling head, just, unfortunately. Just, just asking. Um, uh, Chris Wilder, I think, is quite sort of... Um, I think he was irked after the first two games. After the Manchester United game, I think he sort of almost felt a little bit of realism had sort of reached him. He, 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 he couldn't bring himself to have a go at his players. He just sort of said, I, I need to accept, me personally needs to accept that actually... What we've done is fantastic and we've got to now make sure that we don't let that go. It's very difficult, I think, for anybody to, to bring a, a team up the way they have with, with the experience, the lack of experience that a lot of those players have got in the Premier League and to achieve what they have done and then sustain that after a break. I also think that maybe, Darren, they were carried along during the course of this season, bearing in mind going into lockdown that they'd only lost away from home to Manchester City and to Liverpool. They were driven on by the adrenaline that was fueling them because of the crowd that they not only had at Bramall Lane, but were taking away to other fixtures as well. And I wonder if that has really affected them and may well affect them at the weekend when they host Arsenal. I disagree with you both, actually. Um, I, I think Sheffield United are that good. In fact, I'd, I'd describe this fixture like this, Sam and, and, and Alex. I don't think Sheffield United are as bad as their recent run suggests. One win in their last six. I agree. I, I don't think Arsenal are as good as their recent run. Three different feats in their last 15 since the turn of the year. I don't think they are as good as that form suggests. I think the defeats that Arsenal have had and the performances as well have kind of summed up the trouble with Arsenal. Uh, and, and I know we'll get to them in a second, but as far as Sheffield United are concerned, I still do, do think they're, they're organised. They were robbed against Aston Villa. That's one of the worst decisions I can remember for years. And I, I don't even think everybody re- recognises the, the significance of that decision not to give the ball that was so over the line it was behind the post. If that goal is given, then psychologically, Man United go into their match on Friday night against Spurs with a different mindset. They're under pressure. I don't think that they were under pressure in that match because that goal wasn't given. It, was, it will not just be about the fact that it could deny Sheffield United a place in the Champions League. It's about the fact that it changed the complexion of the way that Manchester United went about their business. It's given them a cushion. It's deflated Sheffield United. It's given heart toward other teams around that area that maybe even Sheffield United can be caught. And this next period will be key in terms of their character and their mindset and their quality. And I still do think they have that quality. So do you think that the the FA Cup could provide a little bit of a distraction and therefore a bit of a boost for them? Not so much a distraction, but a chance to reboot, get their heads together. I definitely, I think Arsenal are the best possible opponents for Mm. uh, Sheffield United. Aubameyang is not interested anymore. Lacazette doesn't look interested. Defensively, they're all over the place. In midfield, they're weak. I think for Sheffield United, if they can play their normal game, get at Arsenal, especially at Bramall Lane, it's a great boost and a reminder of how good they are. And then they can spend the remainder of the season preparing to laugh at Alex Crook and his prediction that they're going to go down next season. Norwich run into their half of the field and celebrate. They've knocked out Tottenham Hotspur and Jose Mourinho. Game set and match, Manchester United. Two for Odion Igalo and they're through to the quarterfinals now. Freeman is alive to the loose ball and produces the perfect cross for an unmarked Billy Sharp. 
and Sheffield United close now to the quarterfinals. But it's Arsenal who are still in the hunt for some silverware at least. They overcome the hurdle that Portsmouth placed in front of them. The Foxes then are through to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Klopp is stopped. Chelsea reached the quarterfinals of the FA Cup for 11th time in 15 seasons. West Brom nil, Newcastle United 3, a vintage night for Newcastle. And Steve Bruce in the FA Cup. It's Sergio Aguero with the goal. And having won the League Cup, that's a big step towards the last eight of the FA Cup. There was a brilliant opening line in the Times on Wednesday morning from Henry Winter in which he said, this game should have been behind closed eyes, let alone behind closed doors. He was uh, (laughs) discussing the uh, Leicester-Brighton game on Tuesday night and Leicester have slowed just a little bit, haven't they? I mean, obviously they beat Aston Village prior to lockdown, but even in the run-up to that, they hadn't been in particularly good form. And I don't think since Christmas they've been uh, all that Quick word on Leicester versus Chelsea. Do we think that this is going to be the kind of uh, number one game that I think most people think for Sunday, you know, this is the game, isn't it? But I'm not necessarily sure it's going to develop that way. Chelsea's away record under Frank Lampard has been pretty impressive, hasn't it? Yeah. I actually yeah. fancy Chelsea in this game. We've talked about Leicester in, in recent weeks and the fact they were stuttering before football was suspended and they've continued stuttering since it came back. I think ever since it became clear they weren't going to be serious challenges to Manchester City and that actually their place in the top four is is pretty solid. Their players have just lost a bit of motiv- motivation, lost a bit of desire. I wonder, it, it, you know, if, if transfer links in, in papers like Darren's maybe have turned the heads of some of the players as well because obviously Lewis we've seen... We've, we've seen Madison linked with bigger clubs. Chelsea, Chelsea have been linked Chilwell. heavily with Ben yeah. Chilwell. Who, I mean, and I suppose he can sort of go into this game, Darren, trying to show what he is made of. Although, if I was Frank Lampard, I would be asking Pedro with his pace to play down that side or Callum Hudson-Odoi to play down that side because I watched him last week and I mentioned it on the, the Monday pod. He got skinned by Saar. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and we're talking about £80 million for a fullback. I'm sorry, if you're spending £80 million on a fullback, you are not going to buy Ben Chilwell because he's, although he's great Ooh. going forward, he's brilliant going forward. He needs serious help in behind. Mm. Well, I, w- I wonder if he was rushing to his local news agent the following morning, socially distanced, of course, uh, to get his Daily Mirror uh, to find I'm out sure what, how, was. whether the transfer news had updated on that. I love the fact that you. It would have been Sunday Mirror, wouldn't it? validated our reliability it would have been Sunday Mary absolutely <laughs> right um, but but you do make a good point you know when you're spending that much money and we all know that the transfer market's gone crazy at the moment and that's a big problem you know 85 million pounds for Harry Maguire but if you've got a bit of pace you can go past him as if you're you know Lewis Hamilton I, I think as far as Chilwell's got to, uh, is concerned he's got to adapt his game to be able to deal with the kind of fast winger that went past him the other day I think Certainly, as far as Leicester's players are concerned, they have lost their way a little bit. It's interesting because during the lockdown, Brendan Rodgers said that he wanted the chance, uh, he wanted Leicester to have the chance to secure second, third place, a place in the Champions League by right rather than uh, just have it handed to them on a plate. Casper Schmeichel told me that Manchester City were gettable. Leicester won't get them if they continue fumbling their opportunities like they did against Brighton. I, don't, I can't see them catching Manchester City. No, I can't either. No, and no. I do wonder also another factor in their decline, that League Cup semi-final when I think everybody, probably including Brendan Rodgers, 
and the players themselves expected them to get past Aston Villa. They crashed out in quite dramatic circumstances. Mm. And psychologically, had they ever recovered from having Wembley snatched from their grasp? No, quite possibly. Um, they do hold the record for going to the most FA Cup finals, but without ever winning the trophy itself. Um, so Brendan Rodgers can etch himself into Leicester folklore if he was to to reverse that statistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've got some, uh, uh, so many big teams still left in this competition. I mean, we could be in a situation where the semi-final lineup is Manchester United, Chelsea, uh, Manchester City and Arsenal, which would be great for the competition in terms of for the broadcasts, etc., etc. It wouldn't be great necessarily for the old romantic. No, I, I, listen, I think what we want, though, is high-caliber football. And I think we'd get that. I, I think that Sheffield United would be would take their place and be able to compete with any of the teams or any of the other teams that would be in that. Having said all of that, Chelsea looks strong for me and they look like a side that's motivated. They can score goals. They've won their last three, including a win over people might say, well it wasn't that strong on Liverpool side. I think it was strong enough in the FA Cup in the last round. Um, they look good uh, and they came from behind against Villa. Again, people will say, well, they're second from bottom, but that shows character as far as Chelsea are concerned, away from home too. And if you see the fact that Aston Villa showed their own character to get a point against Newcastle, you realise, actually, maybe we should give give Chelsea a bit more credit than they deserve. Um, I'll tell you what, if they ever remake when Saturday comes, we don't need Sean Bean, do we? We've got the world's biggest Sheffield United fan right here. <laughs> <laughs> 100% blade. <laughs> <laughs> Leicester versus Chelsea is Sunday and it's live on TalkSport. And after Chelsea's victory over Manchester City, they'll be in cracking fettle. Darren Lewis and Alex Crook are with me and they've been talking to Steve Bruce and Fabian Scher ahead of Newcastle against Manchester City. The quarter-final, uh, it's always special. It's really hard because we had this great game at St. James Parks. Um, I mean, if we play with our fans, I think it would be an unbelievable game. Then um, the game is going to be tough against Man City. So, yeah, we know we needed uh, our supporter there. But um, still, it's one game there. Uh, it's everything possible. And um, I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, hopefully we can go through. And then, yeah, we will see what happens. But, uh, of course, I want to win this trophy. Well, the first thing we're going to have to do is see how we are physically. We've got one or two, Matt Ritchie and Isaac Hayden, who are arguably were fittest players. I've obviously got a niggle because they're genuine and honest. We hope that it's just a bit of fatigue, but we'll see how they are. And uh, we'll see how we are by by Friday and, uh, and go from there. Imagine, just imagine that it's Steve Bruce outwitting Pep Guardiola getting to the semi-final of the FA Cup and taking Newcastle to the showpiece event and lifting that trophy. A Geordie, a man who grew up supporting the black and white, being the manager that gives them something that Bobby Robson, Rafa Benitez, Kenny Dalglish, Kevin Keegan couldn't do. Imagine if it's Steve Bruce. Could you see that happening, Darren Lewis? Why not? I, I would have thought if you put Newcastle up against Manchester City, 10 times out of 10, City would win. But then I recall 2-2, Newcastle, Manchester City earlier this season. Jetro Willems and uh, John Joe Shelby cancelling out the goals from Sterling and De Bruyne. And then you think to yourself... Ooh. They beat them last season as well, didn't they? And there you go. And, and here's the point. I think City are a fabulous side with a star-studded bench. I think Graham Soonis the other day called the bench that one of the best he'd ever seen. 
But the FA Cup, anything can happen. Anything can happen. And I think as far as Newcastle are concerned, at St. James's Park, on a good run, three of the last four games have resulted in Newcastle wins. They're in sensational form. And I think one, no Aguero for Manchester City as well, throw that into the mix. I just wonder if City, if Newcastle decide to fight fire with fire, this could be a cracking contest. Um, Matt Ritchie is a bit of a concern. It's a shame because he has that sort of fire in the belly type of character, which you sometimes need. But I do love Sam Maximan. He makes Newcastle fun to watch. He's terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just wonder whether or not they can afford to play with that many players on the front foot against Manchester City because defensively, although they've been okay over the course of the season, Newcastle, they conceded quite a sloppy goal from a set piece against Aston Villa. Well, this would be the fairy tale, wouldn't it? Steve Bruce, so often the the ugly sister of the Premier League, finally gets his chance to go to the ball. It's not going to happen though, is it? Let's be honest. Darren's made a very good case with no home crowd. If it comes down to a football contest against Manchester City, there is only one winner, despite the fact Newcastle have been relatively impressive since the resumption I think City win this 2 or 3-0. I, I was about to ask, um, uh, I mean, okay, Pep might well have rested players and if he brings them back in, then they've got fantastic quality. But I just wonder if Steve Bruce's best option is to not try to play football, um, literally just to bombard that City back line and see if they can cope set pieces, crosses into the box. I just wonder what you both think. I just don't know if Newcastle will get enough of the ball to do that. I think City will dictate possession. The game will be played at their own tempo. Yes, Sam Maximam is, is a box of tricks going forward. Still not convinced by Almiron or Joe Ellington, despite the fact he finally scored a goal at St. James's Park last weekend. I don't think they have enough quality. I think Steve Bruce has done a really good job there with, with limited resources. If they did really pay £40 million for Joe Ellington, I'm not convinced they did, then he should get a receipt. <laughs> I just I just think City have got too much class. I, I, the only thing I'll say is, is that Newcastle have got nothing else to play for. There's no other constraints on them. They, they know they're not going to get relegated. They can play with a bit of freedom. There's no panic. There's no, there's no sort of desperation about them. And I think Newcastle at their best is when they take that handbrake off and they just, they just go for it. And I don't think Manchester City necessarily are the best defensively. If you look at their back line, I think that, that there are holes there. And they're especially physically, they're not as powerful as Newcastle. Sam Maximan, Andy Carroll, who came off the bench in midweek. Joe Ellington, they're all a handful. Joe Ellington might not be the, the best striker in terms of in front of goal, but he does something for the team. of the season. He's been terrible in front of goal. But, you know, Olivier Giroud played up front for France, didn't score a single goal in the World Cup finals, and yet they won the, the World Cup basically because of his focal point and, 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 and the work that he did off the ball. So, you know, I'm not saying that Joe Ellington is Olivier Giroud by any stretch, but at the same time, he does have a role in that team. And it could unsettle the back line. I think it will be an outside bet for Newcastle to go and win this game. But again, I don't think it's the foregone conclusion. And it should be factored in that Manchester City will, by this time, have played more games than anybody else. And they won't have had much rest. They play Thursday night and then they play Sunday. And that, even if they have rested players, is going to be taxing. It may be FA Cup quarterfinal weekend, but there are Premier League fixtures as well and lots of teams in action. So it's not a free week for you dream teamers. Andrew Butler is here to serve up some gems. Hello, Andrew. How are you? Hello, Sam. Very well. Thank you. How are good, you? Good. Have you uh, added to the uh, the student dig decoration with extra scarfs over your shoulder this week? <laughs> 
I can't actually balance enough um, to look behind uh, yourself. I, yeah, yeah. So basically, I've got I've got more underneath my bed, which is where I keep most of my fo- football merchandise, just to really add to the student environment of of this room. But um, I can't kind of quite balance um, more on top of them. Okay, right. So how many scarves have you got on there now? Uh, there's five on there, right? And um, I've got about five underneath the bed as well. Is that a Manchester United scarf? No, there's three Orient ones. Um, there's a Taiwan one as okay. well from when I went to Taiwan wow. and um, interviewed the Taiwanese national team manager. Of course. Was um, that a business trip? <laughs> yeah, it was actually. No, How, it did, was you that? That. How did that you get away with that? How did you get away with that? That's that's fiddling your expensive <laughs> butler. There's no doubt about it. That's, that's, that's right out of the crook playbook, that. <laughs> it was um, te- technically a holiday that I managed yeah, to... Um, technically a holiday. Yeah. Take one day Could of work there as well. Could you pay for my flight, <laughs> Okay, um, talking of people that are taking off, Kevin De Bruyne has been absolutely fantastic since the resumption of the season. Uh, is he Butler's banker for the weekend? Yeah, he is. I mean, he's only played 99 minutes of football in City's first two games back, but he does look as, as, as brilliant as always. And I just think that City will probably be gunning for the FA Cup. I think Liverpool will obviously win the Premier League, but Guardiola, I think, will want to prove a point if he can win three trophies in the same season that Liverpool would win the Premier League, then who's had the better season? I think Liverpool still, <laughs> but, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things where Guardiola will probably look back and go, well, we won three seasons and that was deemed a, a poor season for City. Um, you never know with Guardiola in cup competitions, he, he might do something mad, but um, yeah, De Bruyne probably is a banker um, considering they've got Newcastle away. Um, Butler's beauty. Well, look, I go on about these two all the time. Raul Jimenez and Adama Traore. Uh, it's a bit of a broken record. Um, but how was this for a lovely bit of symmetry? Jimenez and Traore and Dream Team have now got exactly the same number of points, 194. And they even have the same number of average points per game week at 4.6 points. They're in the game at 4.6 million and 4 million, respectively, for Jimenez and Traore. Um, their link-up as well against Bournemouth also moved them as the, the deadliest partnership in the Premier League. So Traore has assisted Jimenez seven times more than any other combination in the league this season. So well done to the lads. You know what? It looks like Jimenez has come back sharper from the break. He is banging form. He's fit. He's firing. I mean, he could walk into most of the top clubs, couldn't he? Maybe take away Liverpool and Manchester City, but he would certainly improve United. He'd be a great asset for Tottenham to take the pressure off Harry Kane. Can they keep him is the big question. If he keeps banging goals, surely someone's going to sign him. I think um, the other other one's just as impressive. Adama Traore, we'll talk about him in just a second. We get to the Aston Villa Wolves preview, but I'm just mesmerised by some of the stuff that he does. I mean, he at times is absolutely unplayable you cannot get the ball off him he is he's sensational and he's just added so much to his game recently I think he's been well coached he's got a little bit more intelligent and he knows when to use his skills and when not to he's like an NFL running back isn't he picks up the ball so deep in his own half and the way he just gobbles up the ground and turns defense into attack he, he is fantastic and again the big clubs must be looking at him surely he's on radars uh Butler's big bet this week yeah, I've gone for, for Jamie Vardy in the game. Uh, hold, on, hold, on, hold on, Big bet. This no. is supposed to be outsiders. This is the top <laughs> scorer in the Premier League. Now, this really is a gamble, though, because Vardy's only scored <laughs> Dream Team points. He's only scored Dream Team points once in his last nine game weeks. Oh, dear. And considering Chelsea play on Thursday and then on Sunday, I actually fancy Leicester to be really up for this one. It's a great 
chance for a bit of silverware for them as well. Um, they probably should be focusing on just securing their Champions League spot as well because they do look a little bit, a little bit shaky as well since um, they've returned. But yeah, Vardy only scoring in in one game week of the last nine actually does make this a bit of a bet, but uh, admittedly not a big bet. We'll just call it Butler's bet. Yeah, they're not as sharp, are they? As um... They were going into lockdown, or even actually prior to New Year, actually. I think they started to have a wobble when they played Liverpool-Manchester City back-to-back over the Christmas period. And since then, they've never really regained their rhythm. Butler's big bargain. Yeah, so Phil Foden obviously was was absolutely brilliant earlier in the week. And I think if you fancy Foden to finish the season strongly, um, and you think actually at long last, um, Pep might give him some some good game time, um, especially if the, uh, if the league's going to go and City will want to probably rest a couple of their players ahead of the Champions League. Foden might get more of a chance. He's in the he's in the game at three million, um, ninety two points so far um, this season. I think you know it could be a really good chance and opportunity, especially with David Silva leaving at the end of the season for Phil Foden to kind of like um, put his marker down as as a starter for next season. I've got a uh, uh, not to make this into Phil Foden story corner, but um, oh, we can do that. I, <laughs> he was sat, story. <laughs> at the World Cup he was um, in the England's game against Tunisia he was sat about two rows in, in front of me um, at the game and I saw him walk into the stadium um, and I, I saw him taking taking it all in and taking pictures of his probably f- like future England colleagues and mm. you could tell kind of just the fact that he was taking so many pictures of the pitch rather than of himself in front of the pitch whatever that it kind of meant a lot to him and so I took a picture of him taking a picture of a pitch because I know that in two years time when he's playing for England in the in the Qatar World Cup that picture's going viral <laughs> I was going to say can you uh, can you send that to me so I've got it in the in the crook library ready to send out to all the papers please <laughs> Game day starts on Saturday with live commentary on TalkSport of Wolverhampton Wanderers against Villa. The 51st game of the season for Wolverhampton Wanderers. Um, Signs of a bit of tiredness in the first half against Bournemouth, I thought. Um, But Aston Villa are going to offer a little bit more going forward, aren't they, than 0.06 expected goals Bournemouth at the weekend. I know the blood and thunder of of a derby is going to be negated by the fact that there is a lack of fans in this game, but it will still be a fiercely fought contest, won't it, Crook? Yeah, Nuno has mentioned it, actually, that he wishes there was a crowd there for this game. I've been mightily impressed with Wolves. They're a second-half team, though, aren't they? Even at nil-nil in we midweek. I feared, last week, didn't we? I, I feared for Bournemouth because they seem to come to the party after the break, whether it's Nuno's team talk or they just get stronger as the game goes on. It's a superior can't... fitness, isn't it? It's the fact that they are fitter than the other team. So when it gets to the point you're sort of 70 minutes into the game and, 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 and the opponents are starting to, to feel their legs... Wolves kick on again because they've played so much football at such regular intervals. They've only used, what, 20, 22 players over the course of the season. Yeah, and I wonder if as a result of that, when football does return to normal, whenever that may be, if if some teams might follow Wolves' lead when it comes to the Europa League rather than bemoaning it and making it an excuse for Never the poor start of the season, em- embrace it and actually yeah. realise it, it could help those fitness levels. But I don't see too many chinks in, in the Wolves' armoury. Um, the fact they're still competing on three fronts, uh, Premier League, obviously Europa League and the FA Cup is fantastic testament to Nuno and his players. They're great to watch. Again, I'm going to be boring here and, and say so I can't see anything other than a Wolves win. I think Villa have been marginally better since the restart than they were before. They've clearly tightened up defensively. They still missed too many chances. I think they will still go down. Points are no good in, in this scenario. And actually, 
if Dean Smith does take the handbrake off and send them out to attack, then that could play into Wolves' strength on the counter-attack anyway. Crook, you watched uh, Saints play on Thursday night, didn't you? Uh, here are uh, your thoughts from St Mary's on Watford's game at the weekend with Southampton at Vicarage Road. Uh, recorded straight after that match. Well, the full-time whistle has just been blown here at St Mary's and indeed at Turf Moor, where Watford have suffered a demoralising and damaging 1-0 defeat to Burnley. You do wonder how much of a mental blow that will prove to be for the Hornets, as this was a game I think most people expected them to win against the Claret side in a fair bit of turmoil off the pitch. The Hornets had plenty of the ball and created some good openings, but were wasteful in the final third. That will be a big worry for Nigel Pearson as he prepares to face one of his former clubs. Where will the goals come from? That will be the question Watford fans are asking, but I think they can take some encouragement from an error-strewn defensive display from Southampton in their own 2-0 reverse at home to Arsenal. Alex McCarthy, the goalkeeper, was at fault for both goals. He might struggle to keep his starting place. Ralph Hasenhutl, bold, I think, to name the same starting eleven twice in such a short period of time in sweltering heat after three months with no competitive action. I thought Saints looked leggy, so would expect changes for this match. The South Coast side have been much better away from home over the course of the last couple of seasons, and Watford will be wary of their threat on the counter-attack. Historically, there hasn't been much to choose between these two sides. I'd expect another cagey encounter, but one that Watford really need to win as games are running out for them. On to Crystal Palace against Burnley. This might be the least glamorous of the games on the schedule. Um, in fact, he probably wins the award for most pointless game on the schedule as well because Crystal Palace and Burnley can achieve pretty much nothing really going forward. So I suppose the only real story here is the future of Sean Dyche, Darren, who's in the papers over the course of the last couple of days, having fallen out with the chairman and, and with a, a real possibility of someone coming in and maybe taking him off Burnley's hands. I mean, it probably is time for him to move on, isn't it, if he wants to go on to the next level? Is that possible? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He's done a fantastic job at the club. Lots of other clubs being linked with uh, Sean Dice. The word on the street also is that Mark Hughes might be a front runner for that job. Just reading that. Um, It's the news emerging on on Thursday morning. Well, look, let's first deal with Sean Dice. He's shown he can organise, he's shown he can manage, he's shown he can motivate. And the problem with Burnley is that there are a number of players at the club that he has advised the club to sign up to longer-term contracts and the club haven't done that. And it's foolhardy from them if they want to keep progressing. And there's only so much more he can do. I can understand why he's decided he's had enough and he wants to move on. But they've never given him the money, have they? They've never given him the resources and he's managed to compete anyway. And if you look back over the last few years, this is a guy who has taken this team up twice into the Premier League. He's earned them a hell of a lot of money. They've spent a lot of it on the infrastructure of the club. And I I understand that they haven't been one of those who've come up and spent all their cash and put themselves into a difficult situation, which Norwich did when they last came up and then found themselves in a very difficult financial situation. But ultimately, you are only going to get away with this for so long. You're You're not going to be able to survive year in, year out on the talents of Sean Dyche alone. You're going to need to invest in players. And if you don't do that, eventually it will bite you on the backside. I I know we haven't got a lot of time left, so I'll keep this answer very, very short. And I'll say just this. If you don't do what Sean Dyche is doing and walk away when after telling the club what it needs, the club don't listen, you then end up the villain. You then end up like Pochettino getting the sack because the results prove 
what you've said, but you are held responsible for the club, for the results, rather than the club who didn't take the decisions that they should have taken. Is there a danger though, Alex, that he walks away and his next job ends up being in the championship? No, because I think he could afford to bide his time and, and, and wait to be parachuted but, into but a club who is struggling halfway because through you, next you, season. You step out for six months, all of a sudden you're forgotten, aren't you? Yeah, but I think his stock is high enough that he, w- he will get another job in the Premier League, as I say, probably when a team had, have got their backs against the wall. But I tell you what, <laughs> I'm, I'm making a lot of predictions for next season here. Don't worry, we won't record them and play them back to you when you get them wrong. <laughs> but if Sean Dyche leaves Burnley and they replace him with Mark Hughes... They'll Burnley go down next season. Yeah, Absolutely there it is. Absolutely written on the wall. Sheffield United double. What are you going to give us for that? Well, I bet you get good odds now. I better check that out. But listen, Mark Hughes has had his day in the Premier League. He did okay at Manchester City. signed Vincent Company, which I think they'll be forever grateful for. I think he was good to a point at Stoke in terms of stabilising them in the Premier League. He was poor at Southampton. And some of the stories I've heard from behind the scenes there about the way he went about his business and in terms of his interaction with players is scary. I think he's yesterday's man and it's just not the right appointment for me. I, I, I would hold judgment on that because I spoke to Mark um, in May, a long, long chat, and I think he has had probably the most amount of time out of the game that he's ever had. Uh, I think he feels refreshed. I think he is in a completely different situation in terms of his family life where he now knows he can just go and throw himself in completely to, to, um, to what's in front of him. He wants to take a job. He's desperate to take a job. I think it will be different in terms of his coaching staff makeup this time around, which I think is another necessity uh, for him because um, he just needs to, he needs freshening up. So it may well be that the, 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 uh, that the refresh would have helped him. So I hope that it works out for him because he's uh, yeah, obviously he was a fantastic player in the Premier League and I, and I hope that his managerial career doesn't just sort of end up uh, petering out. But we shall see. Well, what a show we have. The ultimate preview back on Monday when Crook and I will be joined by David Prutton. Between now and then, I imagine that Liverpool itself will be the centre, the party centre over the course of the, the next few days. Congratulations again to them. It was great to have Darren Lewis with us. And uh, Crook, any final reflections before uh, before we go? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that's a Manchester United fan for you. Uh, listen, please rate and review and tell all your friends to download the podcast. We'll see you on Tuesday as the football feast rolls on. The title is over. Congratulations to Liverpool. They've been waiting 30 years. They are champions of England for the 19th time. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.